there. Um, you've made it as well. There's no certificate for you. But I want to. I want to actually just uh, say. Um, do you know that Joseph had his 21st yesterday? Joseph, um, on the other side of, of the pendulum, you are the young generation. <laughs> and uh, we are very excited about what God is doing in your life. Uh, I hope it's an amazing year, but also um, amazing adulthood. Eh? <laughs> we, are, we are really trusting God for big things in your life as well. Amen. <laughs> Great. Guys, um, let me just get an indication. We'll be all right with the videos? Okay. <laughs> So this morning, it's the long-waiting promise of the videos that I wanted to show earlier in the year. Um, and we will uh, get to uh, discuss a few things this morning that I, that I just believe God wants to put in our foundational blocks. Um, and that I could not, on the weekend of technical uh, difficulties, um, sort of. But um, Hopefully we'll be able to do it this morning. It's a, it's a discussion that I do want to have with you as a big part of, of this season where we are trusting God for the lost. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful season, as we, um, we've said it many times, uh, where God stirs our hearts. You know? And uh, I think the best thing is not even people getting saved, um, but the fact that God is doing something in Which our hearts to uh, redirect us to where His heart is leading. So... Um, so thanks for, for joining us in this journey. Um, it's amazing. And I want to take you back to Luke 5, 1 to 10, actually. It's a message that I've given um, with, uh, oh, at this congregation a while ago. Um, I don't see any Bibles here. Is there anyone with a Bible here? So Luke... Chapter 5, um, it's not on the slides, so I um, decided to actually read it this morning. So please, if you have your Bible with you, David, you know the scripture, so you will be fine. Um, follow your Bible. Um, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've uh, worked hard all night, toiled all night, and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will read down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and pulled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he felt um, at Jesus' name, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. We and all these companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, 
Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid from now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, I'm deliberately reading it again this morning. Um, I, um, I delivered a sermon around this a while ago on the picture of men. Um, but I want to bring us back to something that I, I want us to see. And, uh, and that is, um, in this story of Jesus getting to his disciples, he's uh, walking toward them, and um, he's uh, calling them closer to him to, uh, to walk the road with him as fisher of men. But it's a time of, of connecting hearts. Now, one of the things that we do see out of this story is Peter at this stage, again, being a businessman, being a very you know, uh, influential guy, had a few guys around him that uh, partnered with him. Um, took the faith step to actually say, listen, um, Jesus, I really know that there's no fish, but I will actually put up my faith to trust you to send some. And um, in, in this, a beautiful thing happened because in the midst of his faith step, uh, these guys, the son of Zebedee, came closer and some beautiful relationship attributes were shown to the world. The fact that these men were called together with Peter to do great things for God. Now the beautiful thing about it is that they already knew how to work together. They've been in the trenches together for a while. So don't be fooled today because we might even think that in the midst of this story, why would the sons of Zebedee be in a situation where they would benefit from the faith of Peter at this time? Where is their faith? And we even see it later on in the story. It's not as if there was not rivalry among them because um, these guys also fought for the positions next to Jesus when they get to the throne one day. So uh, in the midst of all of this, Jesus pulls these guys together and he connects their hearts in where he is taking them and the changes that he wanted to bring in this world. I want to say to you this morning, I believe Jesus is uh, really calling us to send um, the co-workers to, uh, to come to a place of understanding where we fit into what God is saying. And that's what's so beautiful about membership this morning. Um, it's the fact that God adds to us. And God is not adding to us because it feels good or it's nice or it's uh, uh, convenient. Um, these guys are driving every Sunday um, or at least some of the Sundays, <laughs> um, from afar, to, uh, to be here. And I can tell you, so many of you as well, it's, uh, it's not as if it's always um, this amazing ride. But one thing we know, that we are co-workers of what Christ wants to establish in the time of the world. And the beautiful thing that that brings to us is a place of, of relationship where we can really trust God to reveal to us corporately where He's going and getting with us. <coughs> God does that um, collectively with um, his, his children. And there's three things that I want to mention. The one is, whenever God puts people together, it's important to define relationships. Because in God's economy, He understands covenant relationships, which is... Uh, uh, important relationship because he says that it's a give everything that you can relationship. It's one that uh, you really put your life down. 
for the people that you love and the people that um, he is uh, calling together with you to fulfill the calling of Christ. And within that, it's so important that we get to understand that God wants us to define those relationships because all relationships in your life will not be the same. And within this partnership, Jesus is calling them together, but I can tell you it's with one common goal, and that is the desire to see the lost being saved. And as long as the disciples understand that mandate, and as long as they keep their hearts to the commission, to the mission, to uh, the purity of Jesus wants to reveal himself to the world so that Father God could be reunited with his people, they were saved. And within the church of God, I many times see that we get cluttered in our minds about what this means. What this connections that God is uh, putting on the table, or these connections that God is putting on the table, um, means to us. And so uh, when he calls these disciples, it's with a definite purpose. And I want to remind you that these disciples were not all the same kind of people. Even though they were fishermen, there was also people that um, <coughs> sat at the gates and uh, you know, got taxes in, tax collectors. There was uh, people from all spheres of life serving on Jesus' team. And yet, even in their differences, they understood that there was one common goal. The cause of God. The kingdom. Fulfilling kingdom together. Some of these guys were actually zealots. Guys that, um, you know, were fought very fervently um, against the Roman occupation um, at the time. People that would do anything to fulfill their cause. And yet, in this group, there's a, a guy like the tax collector that would actually gain funds for the <laughs> Roman occupancy within Israel. So you can only imagine what was the kind of strain between relationships at the time in the group of Jesus. And yet, Jesus could get it right to pull their hearts together and even set their differences aside so that they can fulfill the cause of Christ. Are you with me this morning? There's one thing that must pump within our veins and that is the cause of Christ. <laughs> to come back to a place and an understanding that we need to focus on salvation and getting people to the heart of Christ. And so, the second thing is covenant relationship. This is the only way that Jesus understands relationship um, forming. Now, I want to say, in defining that relationship, it's important to know that, and I've mentioned it before in this church, but I want to say it again, even partnering with other churches for the cause of Christ must be defined. It means that, you know, even in our you know, faith in Christ, we know that there are certain attributes and a, a mandate that God has given to this church which makes us vulnerable to partner with anyone. <coughs> okay, now I want to qualify that because uh, we often, you know, get so excited about church unity. But we must understand that there's a defining of relationships. Because um, if I understand it correctly... 
you know, we as a church can do amazing stuff together with all churches that knows Christ. But that means I can do soup kitchen, I can do all kinds of practical things with um, any traditional church even, as long as they recognize that Christ died for us. But as soon as I do a crusade with the same church, we are going to have trouble. Because the first question would be, how do we disciple the people when they get saved? Or do we actually want them to get saved? Are you with me this morning? And those are real questions that you ask within covenant relationship and defining relationships around you. Because if you can't say yes, you have a problem. Rather stick to soup kitchen than to have a fight about, you know, how we're going to disciple people. Does that mean we're not working together? Yes, we are going to work together. Because we love the body of Christ and we respect it. But there's a certain definition to that relationship that, that actually limits us to go all the way. Now beyond that, having um, you know, Jesus as the, the um, common goal between us, we can work together with churches that has the same doctrinal stance than us. Which means that actually we can do a crusade together with people that knows that you must be baptized as a believer. You must uh, you know, make a, a choice to, uh, to accept the Holy Spirit's presence. We can do awesome things with churches with similar you know, beliefs and s- similar understanding of the Word of God. And we can, can really move into a covenant relationship with them on that level. But guess what? There's a limit to that as well. And we must be real about that. Because somewhere there's a limit where we're going to ask the question and, uh, you know, uh, please excuse me if I then are the diffi- uh, bring the difficult um, question here. Who is going to disciple them and take them in as members? <laughs> because sometimes we're super spiritual about this thing, but I can tell you, the fact is, relationships must be defined. And as long as we understand the definition of that relationship, we can partner. We can do whatever is necessary. But guess what? If Retief comes from Table View and he says to me, listen, we're going to uh, do a awesome thing together as a church. Um, you know, from Table View, I'm going to send a team and we can go all out. Guess why? Because we've entered into a different kind of relationship where we are family and we've got the same leader. <laughs> There's the same authority delegated over our lives. So I want to say to you, defining relationships means that you must be real about what the limitations of that relationship is. And the beauty of it is, if the church of Christ can get it right, we will not be threatened by one another. We will actually walk in more meaningful relationships with one another as we get to understand our mandate and we understand the giftings that God has placed upon our lives. Amen? There's deep issues, but I can tell you, the church of God struggles to actually get this one right. But I believe, seeing where God is moving in the last days, we definitely will have to get it right. And we will have to start to to actually be real about, you know, um, the fact that we as Christians 
need to be real about covenant relationship even. <laughs> and defining the relationship that Christ wants us to move into. And so um, the third one that I want to mention before we, we get to the beautiful clips that they are going to show us is um, strategic planning. <coughs> is setting backwards by starting at fulfillment of vision and work backwards. So which means that if you want to become a doctor one day, guess what? If Anna Mart says to me she wants to become a doctor one day, it means that we will have to have a very meaningful conversation right now. Because becoming a doctor is not just going to happen by itself. There's a lot of... Inter- Look, it's nice to see you, Lucas. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> it means that now I've lost the train of my thought. Yeah, come on, Lucas. Lucas. <laughs> um, Anna Mart is becoming a doctor. Okay. <laughs> If she wants to become that doctor, we will have to have a meaningful conversation about, let's just backtrack, okay? Ten years from now, you want to be that doctor. Can we plot along the route just a few milestones that you will have to overcome in order to get there? I mean, is that right, Dr. Dean? (laughs) That's how it works. It it was very intentional. The, The doctors here among us, where's Dong? It, uh, it was hard work, okay, and uh, a lot of even impartation from dad and from family and a lot, everything in their lives came to a point where it was directed toward God's promise for their lives. Now, you know what I see in the church many times is that we have this fuzzy, amazing, beautiful idea about relationship and about where God is heading with us strategically and we think that it's just going to, woo, one day we're going to stand up and God is going to do an awesome thing. Okay. Woo! Are you with me? It does not happen in the kingdom of God. If, if you think that, you know... You are just going to move into God's calling for your life and it's just going to happen overnight. Yes, God gives us a lot of things in our sleep, but I can tell you one thing God is very clear about. A worker is worthy of his wages and you must be very faithful in order to get to the calling that God has upon your life. Even Paul had to wait 12 years from Damascus until the time when he entered into ministry. Now listen guys, hey, did you think 12 years, let's just talk about 12 years of your life. The last 12 years in my life, a lot of things happened. I can tell you, a lot of significant things has happened in my life that it defined me even as a person. In Paul's life, it was very deliberately, you must, must just now know, Jesus himself came and shared the gospel at Damascus with Paul and this conviction came upon his life not just because he has read the word of God okay (laughs) he has seen the awesome one and yet he had to go through a place of transformation in his life to a place of maturity where Jesus could say okay now Even the men around you can recognize the gifting upon your life and they are pleased. 
that the growth within your life is of such that there's a connection. There's such a connection that this connection can take you to the uttermost ends of the earth where no other apostle will be able to go. But you know what? We settle for much less. We think in the midst of our relationships with one another and our growth with with Christ that it's just going to happen. The beautiful thing is when God knits hearts together, we all go through a journey to discover where our contribution lies within the church. But I want to tell you the greatest challenge is to know that it's not the only contribution. That there's lots of other people around you that are a blessing to the kingdom of God. I want to say to you this morning, I'm so blessed that we are on this journey and I don't have all the answers. So please forgive me that I don't have all the answers as the pastor of this church. And that I am not laying every night and getting uh, these amazing dreams about where we're going. I'm so sorry. Because I'm not the only one. Okay? So forget about it. Next time that you come to me and you say, Pastor, what should I... I don't know. Go and pray and come back to me. I will say if it witness in my heart. I always pray. But I am not your compass. There's only one that can do that in your life. And that is Jesus. So I want to be clear about you know, godly connections this morning. And I want to say to you, you know, it's so blessed to run this race with you, but I'm so humbled because I don't even know how to get people saved in the UK. I raised my case. (laughs) But I can tell you, I'm so glad I'm at that place because I can see how the Lord is just working through my life. Whenever I go to any place, I can see there's something stirring within me, you know, to get the heartbeat of Christ for this nation. I love it. Went to the rugby yesterday. Thanks, Lucas, for coming. <laughs> Went to the rugby. It was so amazing to sit there among the Brits and they're singing those songs. You would have been very proud, Ruth. <laughs> you know, it's uh, that murmuring that happens in the crowd. You know, and you hear it when they shout um, together. And I think, yo, you know, this is this is a dream coming true. You know, not even in Newlands in South Africa you will hear that. It's a, it's a, a, a strange, you know, um, a, a, um, beat that they pick up together and they just, you know, go out. Um, I've seen it uh, in the soccer as well. It's beautiful. My heart beat for this nation. The more I'm here, the more I'm just, uh, you know, getting up to the heartbeat of Christ. This is his nation. So forget about it. If you're a British citizen or a South African or a... What citizen? Are you Kenyan now or British? Or... <laughs> I even discovered that Nigel is coming, you know, or his family came from the West Indies yesterday. I never knew that. <laughs> he was born in the UK. But you know what, guys? Doesn't matter which background. Forget about your nationality or you know your amazing ability to, you know, even interpret this culture. You know what? The first thing that God said to me when I came into this nation: I don't want your skills. I want your obedience. You've been in the ministry for 20 years. But guess what? I want you to put those skills aside. Trust me. 
I want to say to you the same this morning. I don't have the answers and so should you also don't think that you have the answers. Because we're going to discover it together. And there's lots of people that actually hear the voice of God in this church that you didn't even know can hear the voice of God. But when they speak the word of God, you know, I'm so blessed by a guy like Nigel. You know, whenever he prays, he just gets it right. But he's quiet in the natural. I can talk about him this morning. He's not here. You'll have to uh, listen to that. I don't want to mess around with Nigel. (laughs) But guys, listen to me. This is a journey of the co-workers together, (laughs) finding their roles and understanding what Christ has called them to. It's a strategic you know, a mission that God has given us together and all of us find ourselves in the midst of working it out. <laughs> so I want to take us quickly to, uh, to something that is um, special to me in the, in the videos. So we'll be able to, um, to show it. Hopefully this morning it works. Um, if it does, uh, I just want to say, look at um, part one when we... Um, I'll, I'll just quickly um, recap before part two. Um, But I want to just say, in part one, look at how the anointing um, comes upon um, Elizabeth II's life and um, how she grows into it. Forget about the cigarettes in the movie, okay, that's uh, not an issue, okay, I see um, Christians uh, complaining about that, Um, (laughs) but listen guys. The beauty of it is the anointing upon her life comes from above. I want to say to you intimidation only happens if you do not know where the anointing comes from. I want you to observe that in her life. It does not come from knowledge or skill, but it comes from above. And I want you to look at this video and and observe it. Look at how she grows in the anointing to take up her mandate. So I want to say to you this morning, we receive this mandate from God, we receive this anointing from God, but we must grow in it as we take it serious, as we take up this mandate. But it's a position that you must take in. You will have to step up into it and take hold of it. And um, let's quickly uh, watch the video and then we can um, talk about it.
if my ministers lie and plot and hide the truth from me. You have prevented me from doing my duty. You have hampered and bamboozled the proper functioning of the crown. How could you? My own late father valued you greatly. He believed the phrase history teaches never trust a Cecil. Deeply unfair. Perhaps not. You may go. The government, the efficient, 
these two institutions only work when they support each other, when they trust one another. Your actions, your breaking of that trust was irresponsible and it might have had serious ramifications for the security of this country. Is your health better now? It is. Good. But is it sufficiently better? Fit for office better? I would ask you to consider your response in light of the respect that my rank and my office deserve, not that which my age and gender might suggest. I look at you now, and I realize that the time is fast approaching for me to step down, not because I'm unwell or unfit for office, but because of you are ready, and therefore I have discharged my duty to your father. With your blessing and your forgiveness, I shall continue to serve as the leader of your majesty's government.
diplomacy at a challenging time for the Empire. Not a single item of the enormous list of engagements has been missed. Millions have seen and greeted their Queen as she leaves the Commonwealth charmed and united. It is already clear that Her Majesty will occupy a place among the famous Queens of History. I promise is a renewed role for Britain in the modern world. The empire secure across the four corners of the earth, marking the start of a new Elizabethan age. We're going to um, to uh, just watch the last part now. It's, um, just give me two minutes um, for the last part. Um, just quickly stand. Just shake the person next to you and say, be awake for this last one because we're eating at home now. Okay. Okay. I want you to, um, to just look at this last clip and it's, it's a short one. So, um, so then we're going to, to wrap up. But, um, I want you to note three things. The one is, um, where Elizabeth says to her sister, the monarch must shine, not you. Um, and I want uh, you to, to actually just um, look at um, uh, uh, another thing, and that is where she calls um, just a place of individuality. Um, and, um, and then the last one is um, it's all about the kingdom. So uh, let's just quickly sit, and then uh, the last bit, you're going to enjoy it, so uh, stay strong. Okay, shake the person next to you if there's... Um... The brief was simple. Perform minor ceremonial tasks with a minimum of fuss. Not end up all over the newspapers. I can't help it if they want to write about me. Well, it would help if you didn't give them what they crave. Character and excitement. Instability and drama. Well, at least I give them something. You give them nothing. I give them silence. Silence is nothing. It's the absence of noise. Emptiness. Blank page. Which allows others to shine. But the monarchy should shine. The monarchy, yes. Not the monarch. Reparations will need to be made. To whom? To the people you offended. A general to whom, when asked if you'd like to dance, you replied, yes, but not with you. I believe there was also a debutante who you managed to make cry, and the dancers of Sadler's Wells, whom you refused to meet after arriving late for the performance. You showed individuality, and that made people panic. They don't want individuality. The last person who showed character almost took the ship down. You are enjoying this. Not a bit. I would prefer Martin. And that is all right, ma'am. Yes. And I rather thought so too. But it would be a mistake. And why is that? Please. There's a way of doing things here. An order developed over time, generations. And individuality in the House of Windsor, any departure from that way of doing things, is not to be encouraged. It results in catastrophes like the abdication. 
Abdicating the throne and choosing my private secretary is hardly comparing like with like. I disagree. I served your uncle, as you know. And it's in the small things that the rot starts. Do the wrong thing once, it's easy to do it again. Do the individualistic thing once, it is easy to do it again. Now, in the case of your uncle, started with wanting to use Buckingham Palace simply as the office and York House as his home. Then he stopped attending church, decided he wanted to sell Sandringham. He dismissed courtiers who'd served under his father in favour of younger, sycophantic supplicants. Of course, no one saw the abdication coming then, but the ego, the willfulness, the individualism, the rot... Okay, let's just quickly stand. I want to end off today. I think um, it speaks to all of our hearts. You know, it's, it's for me such a beautiful picture of God's anointing upon our lives that so easily become our individual contribution. And um, I want to say to you, we are all, we are all um, fragile in this. We all need to uh, to come to an understanding that God. <laughs> that God's uh, picture over our lives is um, is one a collective vision and a collective uh, calling. And uh, you know, I love what it represents when Peter, at the end in John twenty. Um, needs to come back to Jesus and I can just imagine the conversations that they had on the boat before Jesus came the moment where at the end when Jesus now died and all of them failed him were sitting on the boat and they were having these discussions what's next you know we've lost Jesus we've lost the course that we all you know had in our hearts and our minds you know uh, now we're sitting on this boat again we're back to square one and uh, what's next for us as a group of disciples. And then Jesus comes um, next to the shore and he meets them again and he reminds them that the mandate did not change. I want to say to you, I don't have the answers. I don't know um, where God is heading with us. But one thing that I do know is he's placed you for a reason here. As I'm also just contributing my part. (laughs) And we need to discover that as we come to a collective understanding of God's blessing over this church. And you know what? God will um, go with us wherever He wants to. Um, and God will bless um, His people. As long as you know that you must be here, because God said. Not because I am a good, uh, persuasive person. <laughs> um, I did pray against Wales. I'm sorry, Laura. <laughs> she applied for uh, <laughs> studies at Wales. <laughs> <laughs> but you got a nice one in uh, in London at least. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so guys, yes, you know, in um, in the natural, I would want all of you to stay here, and we will stay together for the rest of our lives, and we're going to do awesome things for Christ as long as all of us are on the page of Christ, and as long as we understand that um, bringing in the harvest together and being in the trenches together brings us to the same place that the disciples were at. What is life without Jesus? What is life without the understanding and the obedience to His call upon our lives? 
And to when he says, throw out on the other side, things happen. And I love that about Jesus. Because I've never been intimidated by circumstances. And I want to say to you, I'm not intimidated by this culture. Just because I love Jesus. And I know Jesus loves this nation to bits. And he has a plan and an agenda that supersedes all of our plans and agendas. The beautiful thing about it is, he is going to bring it to fruition. (laughs) With or without us. (laughs) I just want to be part of it. And I humbly come before you this morning and I say, if I can only do my little bit. So let's bow our heads. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that um, that you come and, and just uh, join us this morning in our uh, seeking, Father God, for you. And Father, we want to say that we know that you are always here. You are always the one leading us. We are just so blind. And Father, we lost our hearing to be in step with where you are heading. Father, we thank you for the anointing upon our lives. We want to say that is enough. It's not about our skills. It's not about our, Father God, ability to impress people. But Father, you've placed the crown upon our heads for a season such as this. And we are happy to do whatever you've called us to do in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray tonight, uh, today, (laughs) that you will come and, and meet each one of us at the place of assurance. The place where we know we must be here, we must do what you've called us, and we must stay put to the calling upon our lives. And Father, I, I want to just um, today say thank you. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to, to uh, partner with you. And as your disciples was intimidated and could not even stay awake when it's at the darkest hour to pray for you, we realize that, Father God, we fail you often. <laughs> we even fail one another often. At the moments around the fire when we deny even that we know you. And yet you would come back to the beach to come and meet with us. And today is such a place, Father, we recognize that we don't represent you well always. Father, we miss sometimes the opportunities to represent you. And yet you are fine with that. You want to partner with us and take our hand and lead us into this season of our lives. I want to pray that you'll connect our hearts together, that you will pull us together as a team, and Father, that we will see your kingdom come. And we want to declare today, your kingdom is more important than uh, even our individual callings. We want to say today, Father, whatever it takes to fulfill your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to, um, I know it's late, you probably are starved. And also baked here in um, the hot room. Um, but I want us to end with a song. Um, will you be alright with the song? Um, just singing a song together. And um, you know, as God leads you, even come to the front if you need prayer. If you don't, 
please um, leave um, quietly at the back so that uh, we can um, go and celebrate Joseph's party. I know the girls uh, did organize some cake, um, so you can't just run off, um, Joseph. You will have to get some cake, eh? <laughs> um, so uh, celebrate it with us. And um, yes, guys, let's, let's just cement this moment before God. Um, but uh, please, if you need to leave, don't feel even bad about it. Okay. Amen.